0: Welcome to the ultimate crowdsourced personal finance show. This is your Friday Roundup.
1: You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online.
0: Guys, congratulations. You've made it to the weekend, and this is your Friday roundup. As usual, I have my co-host Brad here with me today. How you doing, buddy?
1: Jonathan, I'm doing well. I'm a little bit tired. We just got back from FinCon, which was amazing. But yeah, it was uh five nights of going to sleep after midnight, which is very, very unusual for me. I can go like entire years without seeing midnight. So, uh yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, a lot of energy, a lot of discussions. It was it was fantastic. And it was your first one. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it.
0: I don't even know where to start. I mean, I didn't know what exactly we would get out of FinCon. You know, we went, I knew this is something you had been excited about for years. Um, This is your fourth one. This is my first, like you said, but it, it just blew my mind. I mean, first of all, you get to solidify these relationships that you've had online with people that you've been communicating by email, but you can instantly become closer in person over a five minute conversation than you could over 50 emails because there's an, there's an, Intrinsic level of trust that's built into those conversations. I mean, you're with like minds. So that was one thing. And then, so that the general camaraderie of the event. But then, aside from that, I mean, basically, Brad, we were able to set up our guest and get an idea for the flow of the show in in one four day week. I mean, it would have taken me weeks and weeks of thought to figure out where are we going to take Choose FI into next year? What sort of topics do we want to discuss? I was basically able to meet a large percentage of the people that we're going to bring on the show next year and kind of get a chance to to hear their story a little bit of it and kind of build a flow uh, going into 2018. So talk about just a wonderful opportunity. And I'm just incredibly excited about where choose if I goes, but also how we're able to continue to bring this community together, to share ideas, to share the diversity of our experiences and really empower our audience to be able to pick what works for them. And as you can hear, I think my voice is cracking just a little bit because I talked nonstop for five days straight. It was amazing.
1: Yeah yeah to the audience out there I'm sure you can imagine so imagine Jonathan's enthusiasm run wild with hundreds of different bloggers and different members of the phi community there and it it was amazing it was like I basically like set a tornado free by bringing you to gun. it was like it was like the coolest thing ever yeah it was just really a blast and and frankly like you and I got to spend time talking about the future of Choose Phi and like where where we see it going, how we can bring the community in even more. And I mean, we brainstormed ideas just in person that even though we live 20 minutes apart, we don't get together in person all that much in the grand scheme of things. And we spent basically 24 hours a day together for five days. And just for everybody out there, we've got some real big plans like actually for the website. And I think this has really been focused on the podcast, but we think we have a unique opportunity to bring a lot of the community and different perspectives into the actual website. So definitely stay tuned. I know this is a big teaser, but 2018 is going to be a big year for the website to basically run concurrently with, with the podcast. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And and Jonathan, frankly, like we would not have come up with this idea if we weren't at FinCon together, you know, and like, that's, what's so cool and serendipitous about. Meeting people in person, and to your point about meeting someone for five minutes and getting to know them more than you could ever imagine, like you really can't overstate how important that is. And it was just like so cool on a personal level, also, to have people come up to us. Like this was my fourth FinCon, like Jonathan said, and in the past, sure, some people have known me from Travel Miles 101 and Richmond Savers and all, but this was the first time that I felt like people were really coming up to me, and and you obviously, and just saying like we listen. Every single week to choose a FI twice a week. And it's such an important part of our lives. And we love what you're doing and keep it up. And it was like, it was just so reassuring and wonderful. And just you could feel that energy. And also, the actual FI community at FinCon has grown exponentially. You know, we talk about the fire is spreading, my friends, right? That's how Jonathan closes every episode. And I know, I guess, three calendar years ago, four FinCons ago in New Orleans, they were basically like, maybe 10 to 15 of us in like the quote unquote Phi group. And you know, it was like me, Brandon from mad scientist, Jim Collins, Carl and Mindy from 1500 days. And you know, a few other people, Mr. Money mustache. And that was really it. And now, I mean, Jonathan, there were probably 200 different people from the Phi community, different Phi bloggers, even just members of the community who decided to come to FinCon maybe after hearing all of us talk about it for years and they just wanted to be a part of it. And it was really wonderful.
0: Yeah. How crazy is that? I mean, there were 1700 people at FinCon and of those, I mean, these are, you know, these are the early adopters. These are the people that are in this space, but a just absolutely ridiculous percentage of the attendees either were avid listeners of the Choose FI podcast, or we were on their, we were on their radar. And what blows my mind is there were 1700 attendees at FinCon this year. And like you said, this incredibly large percentage, 200 to 400 of them identified as being in the FI community, that's unheard of. That is exponential growth. I mean, that actually makes exponential growth sound small with the numbers Brad was talking about earlier. But then on top of that, just how, how aware people were of this kind of, this little show that Brad and I have put together over the last year. And we actually met people in our Facebook group, people in our community. So to Lena and Michelle, I know you guys came up and said, hi, thank you so much. It was so wonderful meeting you. And I think there's an opportunity you can, you can see the value in getting a chance to just take these connections that we've made and and you see the power of just being able to meet people in person. And it just affirms these ideas in your mind. It solidifies them. And I think it motivates you to pursue this with even more enthusiasm and passion because you realize that this is real. This isn't. A guru session where someone is upgrading you to a class and they want you to put $20,000 on your credit card. This is just the simple actions that you can take that are replicable. And if you do this, you're going to retire decades ahead of your peers. So just really special to actually meet people inside of our community. And also to some degree, just be validated by our peers to say, Hey, not only, you know, we've been hearing about you guys and we're getting value from what you're putting together. So please keep it up. I mean, that was just really special.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And and also talking about community while FinCon is great and I'm sure it was neat for people who aren't bloggers to be there and just feel the energy and, and all that stuff. At the end of the day, it still is a financial bloggers conference, right? And like, what we really want is these phi centric events. And I think that's what Steven is starting with camp fi, especially in 2018. I know he plans to have many different sessions and we have the ones in Florida in January, in April, it will be here in Virginia and he has plans to expand it to multiple different locations. So I think that would be a wonderful way just to get together with like-minded people, For a weekend, right? For three nights and just spend time with these discussions that like you don't get in real life. And it's just so important. And you just feel energized. It's hard to even put into words. Like you don't have these conversations normally. And at least I don't feel that camaraderie with just people in your real life who you're talking about, you know, the normal platitudes, the weather, your job, et cetera. You just get deep really quickly. And it really is fascinating. And it just reaffirms this entire concept, this entire life that we've chosen and really the future of the FI community. It all is just coming together and and the fire really is spreading.
0: And there's some other stuff. And I think the untold story here that people may not be aware of is the growth of the local groups. Uh, right now there's two local choose a local groups in California, one in San Diego and one in, I think it's Riverside. Uh, there's also a choose FI in Oklahoma and Wisconsin. There's two about to form in New York, one for New York city and one for the state And we're seeing several of these pop up every couple of weeks. So this has the potential to spread all over the United States. We already have people in place that have said we'd like to start something. We'd like to see it grow. It'd be really cool if we could see some consistency across the board. But the overarching theme is just connecting people of like mind. So your first question with someone that you meet in your local area isn't what do you do, but what are you passionate about? And that is essentially what we're trying to form. And I think there's an opportunity there, uh, especially as you see these pop up in, in all of the states and, and potentially even overseas in Australia and the UK and Canada, that we start to be able to create an infrastructure to maybe even do some sort of five festival where we're able to connect the community from all over the world and. Allow those people to connect to people that have had an influence on their life, whose message they relate to. There's something there, Brad. And I think going into the next several years, this is going to be something that grows. and, And I'm excited that we have Steven, who's already working on these camp buys. He's putting all this time into doing six of these local meetups. And maybe there's an opportunity there to even see that grow into 2019. All right, guys. Well, we wanted to take just a few minutes and kind of catch you up on some of the details. Trust me when I say that there is so much more to come, but uh, I think that is just kind of a great overview and you can hear how excited and enthusiastic Brad and I were about doing this podcast. I'm literally turning around and going to Cape Town, South Africa. I, I know you have heard about this trip. That is coming, but we really wanted to give you guys this quick update. The other thing we just wanted to take a few minutes and talk about today was this wonderful episode that just released this past Monday with Jeff the Happy Philosopher. This was an episode talking about the pursuit of happiness. And what's interesting about that is I think it's very easy to get tunnel vision on the pursuit of money. And if that is your tunnel vision, if that's all you're dialed in on and you get to a point where you have more than enough money and you have nothing else taking up your time and you haven't spent any time thinking about what actually makes you happy, what if you have this realization, I have unlimited time, I have unlimited resources and I'm depressed. What a miserable place to find yourself. You are not going to be working paycheck to paycheck from cradle to grave. You're just not because you're in this community, you're taking action week after week. It will force the outcome that we're that we're hoping for you. I mean, it's just it's it's just a function of the math, right? So we've got you covered on that front, but we need to take a few minutes to talk about the reality of the fact that what do you fill your time with and what do you get excited about? What do you get passionate about when you have that realization that I've already had, that Brad's already had, that people that have been in the space have already had, you need to start planning your happiness now. You need to start cultivating this sense of happiness. And so, you know, we're going to dive into that a little bit more, but what I thought was so powerful about Jeff's message was that he talked about removing things that were adding low-level stress to your life. He landed on this idea of happiness through subtraction. Right, Brad?
1: Yeah, no question about it. And I know I've seen this in my own life. And and I think it's important just to take a step back for a second and just say, the pursuit of happiness is truly a process. It's It's as much about mindset as it is about anything. And it's not like one day I'm unhappy and the next day I'm in this wonderful bliss and everything's great. And I'm never going to be unhappy again. Like that's, that's not how this works. This is finding things in your life that are bringing you stress and anxiety and pain and trying to remove them. And it's also then of course, trying to find things that you enjoy, get value out of are hopeful for are seeing progress towards like it's all of these things. This is not something that happens overnight. It is that process. And it's really being introspective about your life and finding out what is working, what isn't working and just continually testing. And I know for me, a lot of it was removing things that weren't serving me and really TV news, especially. And it's, it's not just in light of recent political things or anything. People, people ask me that, like kind of jokingly. It's not that it's just the turning on the local news and seeing about the murders 15 miles away, and bad things happening at schools. It's this constant state of helpless anxiety, and I can't do anything about them. And what does it serve me to have that anxiety in my life when I could be spending that half hour playing outside with my girls? We could be running around and playing games and singing songs or doing whatever it is. That to me is just so much more valuable time. And I'm not saying be ignorant, obviously. I still scan the headlines, I have some sense of what's going on. I'm still clued in, but I just don't spend the time and hours worrying about it. And I think the news is, is the most obvious thing. I think also like sports, I've taken sports out of my life almost entirely. And coming from the suburbs of New York city, where there are two major sports teams and every professional league, and it's just such a part of the fabric of life up there. It was always a thing. Like you had your team and you spent hours upon hours worrying about how they're going to do next year, who they're going to pick up in free agency and all, all this other nonsense. And like, not to mention the hundreds of hours watching baseball games or whatever it is, and like, I've just cut it out. Because I realized, A, I'm 400 miles away, I don't see the news all that often, and, and B, it just doesn't help me anything. Like They're not my team, they're just a jersey. We have my parents and my in-laws come down, and they're always talking about the teams, especially my dad, let's turn on all the games, and it just doesn't bring any value to my life. Think about how many hours I've reclaimed just not worrying about sports anymore, because it just isn't part of the fabric of my life here my family is and the things that I find value from, that's what I'm moving towards. And it's just really assessing all these things in your life that do and don't serve you and just trying to be a little bit better every day. It's just like, it's just like five, these life hacks that we're constantly talking about, you're not expected to revolutionize your life in a day or a week or a month. It's this process just towards being a better version of you.
0: Yeah, that, that's powerful. And I, and I love what you're talking about, especially that helpless anxiety. I mean, and that's the point of news. You know, we're in the airport as we're traveling to and from FinCon, and I'd see these mainstream news outlets just on every single TV plastered. And every five minutes, it says breaking news, right? Breaking news. And then on the other end of that, they have some pundit come in to give their opinion on something that's being rehashed for days and days and days. The point of news is, is not to inform you, but to hook you through the next commercial break over and over again. And to rile up your emotions, the way to hook you is to rile up your emotions, your emotions of fear, anger, anxiety, that's what keeps you locked into this 24-hour news cycle. There is no topic in the world that requires 24 hours worth of news, and yet people are tied to their televisions day after day, stuck on the couch, losing their health gradually, losing their sanity gradually, becoming perpetually tied to this machine that's pumping ads at you at one side and fear and anger on the other side. And it's just how can you claw yourself back? Well, you could cut the cable and that's what I did and that's what Brad has done to a varying degree and it's funny that we tied that to a pillar of five because when we did that we were doing it from a financial perspective but the value proposition behind that was that it allows you to reclaim your life in a very literal sense it empowers you and Jeff highlighting that it cemented it for me if you remember episode 21 the pillars of five where we talk about the low hanging fruit and essentially how you can get this machine rolling We highlighted that, but I don't think at the time I was prepared. I don't think those thoughts had come into line where I could have verbalized how powerful of an effect it is to actually cut yourself out of this vicious cycle of helpless anxiety. And to be able to now verbalize that in a very tangible way for you guys is something that excites me. So, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show. You can hear just how powerful that was. And there was some other stuff that we're going to talk about here. I mean, this idea. Of cultivating happiness. He said this and it just hit me. You can't force happiness, but you can cultivate it. So once you actually go through the process of removing all of these things that are causing this low level stress and anxiety, first of all, you've just created a better baseline to start from. And then you can start practicing happiness like a muscle that's been atrophied over time. You start growing it and you start adding in, what did he call it? Was it the kittens? You start adding kittens back to your life. Now you just have this better baseline.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I love that. Kittens and alligators. Right. And and we've gotten rid of the alligators and now it's start adding kittens. Right. And it's And it's just looking for little things in your life that bring you joy or that you get value out of. I know for me, it's reading a book or like I've said before, like singing with my daughters. And we now every single night. And I know last night was especially interesting because I was back from five nights away. They immediately wanted to turn on the TV, load up Amazon Prime music and just go through all of our fun songs. So, I mean, we, we listened to like seven different Taylor Swift songs and we're just sitting there like belting out the lyrics as a family and dancing and singing. And like, that's just so cool. And believe me, this is something that would have been out of character for me back in the old days. I'm not, especially a good singer or dancer, but who cares when you're with your nine and five-year-old daughters, they're just having a ball and they're gonna remember that stuff. They're gonna remember daddy being silly and just loving to sing and dance with them and spend time with them and it's just so special. And something like that makes me realize just how important these little moments are. So it's find those little moments in your life that do add value and just try to keep repeating them. There was something called the JK wedding entrance dance on YouTube that got like 200 million hits six or seven years ago. That as silly as it sounds, that thing just brings a smile to my face every single time I see it. And I will link that up in the show notes because I'm sure nobody has any idea what I'm talking about out there, but it's just like find these little things that add value to your life. Just laugh, talk to somebody. Sing with your kids, read a book, find these things and add them back, add those kittens back to your life. And you're going to find yourself just increasingly happier over the course of years. Again, this is a process. This is not zero or one unhappy or happy. It's what can I do to add value to my life and add happiness and add joy to my life over years and decades. That's what all of this is about. And I love that he finished talking about the idea of gratitude and basically, you know, in his own words,
0: at least in that article, gratitude is the foundation of my happiness. It's a skill, which is like no other. If it were a drug, it would probably be illegal because of how good it makes you feel. Gratitude is the soil in which happiness grows. And I love that. And and frankly, I'll be honest, of, of the list of virtues that I think through, like, you know honesty integrity kindness gratitude doesn't show up on that list for me i just i don't really spend any time thinking about it and but you realize the subtlety and how powerful it actually is when you can cultivate that and and the implications of that if you realize like you said we've said in a past episode you are living at the apex of human history. There is probably not a better time when you could have ever hoped to live. At what point in time do we have the opportunities that we have today? And just the fact that you're listening to a podcast, that you have access to this information, that you have sanitary running water, that you have the privilege of being in a car while you're stuck in traffic. You know, it's just, if, if you can reframe life to all the things that we rightly should be grateful for, you have your health, you have your freedom, you have resources, it changes your perspective. And if you can spend more time being grateful and less time being spiteful, your life inevitably shifts with that. The last topic that I wanted to get your thoughts on was just this idea of decluttering. And and I'll be honest, Brad, this is just something that I struggle with just generally speaking. And although I get that dopamine hit once I've actually gotten rid of it and I've established that oasis, it takes some inertia to get moving.
1: Yeah, Jonathan, I, I think we all struggle with this. I think if it was easy, we would all do it, right? Because it's hard to throw things out because you think, oh, I'm going to need this at some point in the future. But like you don't think about the satisfaction you would have by having your life decluttered and having all these things not lying around and just taking up this mental space. So I know Laura and I get screwed up with that sometimes of, Oh, we might need this random thing in the future. So let's leave it in this pile where it's been for the last couple of years. And and that's the easy way out. But sometimes you have to make hard decisions. And I think, I think this again is, is a larger point about, just decluttering your life in general. And none of this is easy, but just like anything in FI or in life, you need to start today making these little changes that will impact you positively in the future. So the second round of decluttering in my home has begun.
0: Brad, I took you up on that challenge, you know, where you told me to have the empty closet and just slowly move things over that I was using. There's only like three or four items in there. Like, am I going to really have to give away or throw away 90% of my clothing? It's it's, it's really sad.
1: Oh, that is so cool. So yeah, just to catch the audience up, you have a bunch of closets worth of clothes. I told you to consolidate them down into, I think, two and leave the third closet empty. When you wear something, you put it into that third closet And then six months or a year from now, you see what you actually wear, everything else should be donated. And you're telling me that there's only a handful of things that you're actually wearing on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, it's like disturbing. It's beyond belief. Sad how much I will have to, based on the parameters of this challenge, I will have to give away or donate. Really, really sad. (laughs)
1: Well, we're talking about happiness, right? Reframe it as some charity is going to get an immense amount of really wonderful clothes. And many someones are going to get to wear these clothes in good health and get to enjoy them, right? This is perfect. You couldn't have walked backwards into this better, better if you possibly tried. Like, right. It's about reframing that situation. It's not, oh, I spent so much money on this. I have to hold on to them. No. I'm not wearing these things. The proof is in the pudding. I just did a year challenge to see what I actually wear. Everything else is donated. That's not a bad thing. That means someone else can get value out of those clothes. That's a cool thing as far as I'm concerned.
0: I hear you, man, but you can't force it. You got to cultivate it. It's growing slowly within me. (laughs) So this is actually related. Uh, Several weeks ago, we were talking about how to go about the process of doing donations smartly. And Karen shared her process with us as well. And I thought this was useful. And it sounds like probably close to what I'm going to try to do. And she says, first, she takes pictures of what she's going to donate. Then she gets the receipt once the donation process has occurred. And then when she has some spare time, goes over the pictures enters the donated items into its deductible, which I think is an extension of TurboTax, uh, which kind of has all the prices built into it. And because the receipt and the pictures are date stamped, she can correlate them easily. And then once it's tax time, its deductible will then incorporate into TurboTax to make that a seamless process. So I use TurboTax myself. And so that is going to be probably the system that I put in place. And when I did donate these items as part of decluttering phase round one, that is exactly what I did. So Karen, thank you so much for sharing that information. And I thought I would share it with our audience just in case there were other people out there that were kind of trying to figure out what system they would like to incorporate. I have a feeling that you could even game this out a little further by using some form of cloud storage for maybe those pictures, maybe tracking them in some sort of tax folder so you can keep all this stuff together. More and more, I become convinced that the key to this game is just organization. And as someone that is naturally disorganized, or unorganized i am trying to force myself to change my priorities and just do it right ahead of time cuz it's so much easier to do it right the first time than to try to go back 3 months later and figure out what the heck was going on
1: yeah that's great advice just keep organized i know when it comes to a- anything that seems somewhat complex it's usually only complex because you waited so long and you have to go back and reinvent the wheel and if you wanted to keep track of all your yearly expenses well If you did it one month at a time, like I do, when I I track my net worth and my profit and loss statement, let's say my P&L for the year, I log into my bank account every two weeks, maybe four weeks and, and just take 15 minutes and just track it all. That's simple. But if I waited until the end of the year and had 12 months worth of stuff to do, I just simply wouldn't do it, right? Because it's such a mental hurdle, but it's really not that big of a hurdle to just pull out my checkbook, balance my checkbook, and keep track in my Excel sheet all at once. So that's a a very minor task mentally, but it's when you try to do something that just seems so overwhelming, you're just simply not going to do it. So I know when it comes to travel rewards, it's the same exact thing. It's travel rewards with your credit card points and miles, it's really very, very easy to keep track of. Oh, I have to spend, let's say $3,000 in the next three months to hit this minimum spending requirement. Well, if you're just tracking it month by month and just jotting down, Hey, I spent $1,247 on my first credit card bill this month. And then you do that in month two, then you know what you need in month three to hit that spending requirement. Whereas if it's the 85th day and you're freaking out, Oh, what, what amount am I up to? And you have to go back and pull out credit card statements or log in. And it's just a hassle. Just take the time to do it right up front. Like Jonathan said, just keep organized and just actually do it. So, you know, that's kind of the running theme from this episode. It's just take action and things will be so much easier. All right. So one of our new segments is focusing on some type of life hack that we've found either Jonathan and I have found or someone in the community has found. And Jonathan highlighted the website Camel 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 recently that helps you save on Amazon.com purchases. And I know I personally I signed up for that immediately. I said that I was going to take action when we talked about it on the roundup. I did immediately. I, I typed in a whole bunch of different items that I want to buy theoretically in the next year or two, and I'm just going to get email updates. So like that was a cool little takeaway for me. And I actually have one that I came across probably about six months ago. It's a website called unroll.me. So unroll.me. And what this does is it takes all of your kind of junky emails that you get every day, all those subscriptions. I get somewhere between 50 and a hundred subscription emails every single day. So what it does is it takes all of them and it allows you to put them into like one email. So it's one like digest email every morning that I get at about nine in the morning. And it has a little summary of each of those emails hundred emails that I would have gotten. So that normally would have been 100 times that a little notification popped up on my phone or in my email and would have given me that little dopamine hit that I, that I would have just instantly popped over and checked my email and, and wasted time, right? Cause that's, that's just what we do. We get a notification and we check it. So that's a hundred times in a day approximately that I am not getting distracted by this incessant email, which is usually just garbage, right? It's some dopey subscription you signed up for years ago and you just continue to get because you're too lazy to unsubscribe, right? So now I get that one digest email every morning and it's cool because what they do is when you get new subscriptions or if let's say just one new subscription popped into your email, account and and they hadn't sent you an email in a while. The app triggers you and says, hey, you have one new subscription. Do you want to add it to your roll up? It's called. So you just click a button and you can actually unsubscribe also. So that's what's cool is when you first sign up for this and you can connect it with I connected with a Gmail account, but you can do like Yahoo, Hotmail, AOL even they they have. It looks like those are the four major services. So if you have essentially any major email account, you can connect this unroll.me And when you first set it up, they, they go through the hundreds of subscriptions that, that they see, like in the first couple days or, or, or week of you having signed up and you can unsubscribe, you can keep it in your inbox. Let's say it's important, right? It's a quote unquote subscription, but it's something you really want to see. well, keep it in your inbox. That's absolutely fine. Or you can unsubscribe, which is absolutely awesome. So, uh, it's really the most effective little life hack because I don't get that many emails anymore. So I've, like I said, I I knocked out about a hundred emails a day and it's just in this one. And now what actually comes into my inbox is usually pretty important. So this sounds like a minor thing until you actually implement it. So I really implore you just head over there and just sign up. It it really will make a difference in your life.
0: It's surprising to me, Brad, like the things that we both use that we haven't actually talked about. But then when we say like, oh yeah, everybody needs to do that. Of course, everybody should be using this. And unroll.me is another one that I've used for a long time. And it's, and also a lot of the people that are just optimizers and have figured out different workflow stuff, they've latched onto this as something that just makes their life a little bit easier. It just, we're just trying to incrementally make your life just a little bit easier, one life hack at a time, right? And I just find it so fascinating that we won't talk about this stuff, but then finally, when we do bring it up on the podcast to share,
1: we're just, we're both doing a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I, I had no idea you used it. So yeah, that's good stuff. And so many of us out there have these little silos of information and we need to share them. I know we, like, I, I sound like I'm beating a dead horse here with all the time, but like, I want my life to be better, right? And I know that you, the many, many thousands of you out there have cool things, share them with us. That's what we want and that's what we need. So yeah, again, send us a voicemail if you've got some cool little life hack that someone can implement in a couple minutes or an, or an hour whatever it may be like something that somebody could implement and take action on today. Like we need to hear your life hacks. This is, this is crucial for us. So thank you as always in advance for, for taking that time and, and really helping this community.
0: So we got this email from Paul and he says, I recently began listening to your podcast and I love what you're doing. You're providing a truly important service. I probably don't fit your typical demographic. I'm in my late fifties and have reached FI. I wish your site existed 35 years ago. During my journey to FI, I often felt like an outlier. Bringing like-minded people together to share ideas, offer encouragement, and help each other succeed is really important on this journey. I'm hoping you can help me with the challenge I face. I'm trying to understand the best way to get my children ages 23, 26, and 29 on board. They're all pretty good savers. They they max out their 401k's, but could help themselves much more if they understood and embraced the principles of FI. I think I'm mostly dealing with the case of each child feeling relatively successful, wanting to demonstrate they are independent and feeling they are already doing a good job saving. The challenge is how do I get them to see that they don't know what they don't know? What is a single best podcast or blog post to get them started, to get them hooked on FI? If I'm able to get them to continue beyond the first step, what are the top five and in what order should they be consumed? I think it'd be great if you guys could offer an organized curriculum designed to launch the next generation of not yet <laughs> not yet believers into Phi. I think this is just a great place to start with a conversation. Uh, I'd be interested, maybe we take this piecemeal, Brad, and get your thoughts on just this situation generally
1: all right so this is a wonderful email from paul and jonathan the easy answer would be to say introduce them to our podcast right like you and i specifically set up two different podcasts that we think are the perfect kind of building blocks for phi and that's episode 38 which is the why of phi and episode 21 which is the pillars of phi so we very specifically made that for the answer to this question. Now, do we think those are the only ways to get into financial independence? No, obviously not. I mean, I know personally, I used to recommend that people read two very specific articles from Mr. Money Mustache, and they were the shockingly simple math behind early retirement and how to go from middle class to kick ass. Now I think those two articles for a certain segment of the population, if you are math inclined, if you're an accountant, if you're an engineer, if if, if your your brain is already attuned to this type of stuff, many people will read those articles and just say, okay, I get it. I'm on board. Where do I start? So like that's, I know a small segment of the population definitely will just get it no matter what, just by reading those two articles, it's done, it's over. That's it. I think the larger percentage of the population would want to hear that why behind why we're making that decision. Right? It's not just about frugality. It's not about depriving yourself. And and Jonathan, that's what we created very intentionally with the episode thirty eight, the why of phi.
0: Yeah, we realized that twenty one, the pillars of phi, while it, it will get you to phi, if you do that, you will hit phi decades ahead of your peers. But it's not enough for some people. They got to go back to that source. And we actually have created an essential listening list. Wow, that's difficult to say. Let me try that again. Uh We actually have created an essential listening list, which we have put in our vault. I don't know if you are aware of this, but uh, to our audience, we have actually created a crowdsourced vault to put all of our spreadsheets recipes, tools, video tutorials, and it's kind of growing over time. Master budget files in inside of this vault. And it's both resources that Brad and I have developed, but also our community has shared with us, build on their own. And they wanted other people to be able to access it. This was just an easy way for us to give you access to this digital locker where you could get these anytime you wanted. And we put a file in there called the Essential Listening Guide. And in that Brad and I took some time to think through how would we recommend, you know, obviously we tried to have this content build on itself, but there is an organic flow to this that looking back, we have an order that we think these episodes should be tackled. And while we would love for you just to start with us now and go with us into the future, we think there's incredible value from following that thought progression, and it will allow you to have a much more well-rounded perception of this community. So there's two aspects to Paul's question. One is how can I get my kids that are already doing decently well to latch onto the fact that they can be doing so much better. And there's so much that they don't know that they don't know. And I, I have some clarity on that, that unfortunately is due to experiences I've had in my personal life. And that is to some degree, you giving someone information directly one-on-one isn't enough. When I've had these conversations with just an individual that I think will benefit from this outside of the choose FI outside of maybe the online connections outside of somebody finding us and talking to us about it. When I just personally one-on-one go and try and have a conversation with somebody about it. I rarely see that light bulb moment right then and there. I I wish I could tell you otherwise, but obviously I've thought about this stuff a lot. I've polished the message. But even with that in mind, when I try to do this one-on-one, it just doesn't work as well. But what does work is when they've been primed for it to a degree or they stumble on it on their own because of maybe a seed that someone else has planted. That's the value of the FI community and also what Brad and I have spent so much time curating and trying to build. If you have someone that's primed and receptive to the information, it may not Work coming directly from you, but if you can point to it and then they feel like they have stumbled on it on their own, the floodgates come wide open, and that's why we just wanted to build a couple of these ultimate guides that you could reference someone to so you don't have to be the one to give them the elevator pitch, you don't have to sell them on it. The heavy lifting has been done for you, you just have to plant the seed and then point them in the right direction. So, definitely go check out the guide that's in the vault. Just go to slash vault. Access is totally free and will always be totally free. But once you pull up that guide, uh, in my mind, there's about twenty or so episodes that are listed. But I just want to give you the first through and talk you through why I think it's so important to start with those. The first one is the of FI. We just mentioned that. That is the basis for everything. You need to understand why. Behind that is the pillars of FI. These are the most accessible levers that, if you do even a few of these, you will literally retire decades ahead of your peers. Both of those are very powerful and it's hard to ignore them. So if you're willing to get through those two episodes, I have a few more right behind it that I think you should consider as well. Another one is episode 29. This is one that I didn't think was gonna be quite as powerful as it was. And it was this idea of the aspiring minimalist versus the reluctant frugalist. And it was this idea that while yes, many people are predisposed to FI because maybe they're engineers, they're math friendly, they're accountants, other people want to win. And ultimately, if you understand someone's internal motivation and you cater to that and you build a story around it, people can end up at the same result, even though they're coming from wildly different places. The next one was episode 19. And this is JL Collins. This is Index Fund Investing. His articles on the stock series were the single biggest light bulb moment for me with regards to investing. And we are borderline obsessed with index investing just because it allows us to have a set it and forget it approach to our investment strategies. And what we find over and over again is that people get burned because they try to do something too complex, which then relies on their emotion to carry them over their investment years. And usually whenever you're relying on your emotion and how you feel, things go south. This takes all of that out of the way and it builds a baseline that you can build off of. I don't think, certainly there are other ways to invest. Certainly real estate is a viable option for many people. Certainly there are people that have figured out other ways to do it. But I think as a cornerstone of your investment strategy, both of us strongly believe that episode 19 is where you should start. And then right behind that, we talked about it even further in the roundup, which was 19R. Um, Right behind that is travel rewards. The reason this is included so highly is that I think many times people associate frugality with not being able to do stuff. And what we find over and over again is that our community is able to live way more exciting lives than people that are just tied to the hamster wheel because one, they've reclaimed their time and two, they figured out how to do things that are prohibitively expensive for other people for a fraction of the cost. So, I mean, just those five episodes right there will hopefully just grab your attention and keep you on board. And 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 many times after you've gone through just a few of these, you realize, oh, wow, maybe I should just go back to the beginning and listen to everything because I'm getting something out of each of these. But certainly these are ones that in my mind, you need to start here. And then I'm very quickly just going to mention a few others in case people are taking notes. Uh, episode 24, The Milestones of FI, lets you know that, yes, while there's a beginning and maybe the beginning is being just broke, finally getting out of debt and being broke, and the end is financial independence there is a continuum that is worth documenting and sharing. And then the roundup that went with that 24R talked about all the checkpoints of FI. And it's this idea that you're continually getting more power on your side of the equation the longer you're able to create space between your income and your expenses. And you use that space to buy your freedom. And then episode 16, Second Generation Fire, talking about the value of not just focusing on this for yourself, but for your kids. Episode 30, The Side Hustle with Alan Donigan, talking about this idea of multiple income streams. Episode 33, Design Your Future. With Dominic Cortuccio talking about designing a lifestyle in your immediate future that you can actually get excited about. And then episode 28, the order of operations. Um, there's many other episodes that are on this list that, and obviously I'm biased, but I think you should listen to every single episode that we've put together. There was a reason that we found time to do it. I think you'll be encouraged. I think it's a good use of your time, but go check out that essential listening guide. Those are 10 episodes right there that are can't miss episodes. And I think will will hopefully be enough of a hook to allow them to decide to explore this further.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's quite a list, Jonathan. And there's certainly something for everyone there. I think if Paul's kids actually sat down and listened to those 10 episodes, I would be shocked if they didn't take away something of, of significant value. And that's not to say that every single item is going to resonate for everyone listening out there. Like that's, that's the beauty of a show like this. That's a beauty of the financial independence community in general. We don't think that everyone needs to pull every single lever. Like Jonathan always says, there are hundreds of these different levers that you can pull. And if you're just a little more optimized, a little more intentional, you're going to make the decisions that work for you and Therefore you're going to be in a better place than you would have been otherwise. And I think that's really the takeaway. Like we're not trying to say you have to listen to our podcast and do every single thing that we say. Like there are plenty of different sources of information. There's tons of different websites. Like you have to find what resonates with you and not only the message, but the messenger, right? So we try to make this accessible for, regular people who are looking to get started with financial independence and and i think i think that certainly works and if your kids don't like our podcast for some reason there are plenty of other blogs you need to find like what type of message and what type of messenger stick out for them and go from there but but yeah i think that list is, is certainly a good place to start all right brad so i have a
0: fire in the news bulletin to make right now uh jennifer shared this link with us and it's a bloomberg article that we're going to link to in the show notes it basically says. If you invested your money, all of your money at the peak of 2007, right before the crash, so hear how valuable that is. You invested all of your money in 2007, and then the next day, the housing bubble popped, everything imploded, and it went down to the very bottom. As of this week, this is the point in time where your money had not only recovered, but doubled. And I just think that is worth highlighting, putting an asterisk, an exclamation point beside it and saying, this is why we don't try to time the market.
1: So you're saying if you put your money in at the absolute worst day in 2007 and saw it just crater over the coming years, but you didn't freak out and pull everything out, that not only would it have soared back to where you were, but you're, you would have doubled that amount? Yes. As of this week, it hit that point. Wow. Yeah, that's remarkable. So that's, that's 10 years. Not only did it recover from what could have been a fifty percent drop, or you know whatever the exact number is, so it fully recovered from that and then doubled that's yeah, I mean that's that's amazing
0: historical context is what allows us to make wiser decisions in the future, right learn from the past, and we have people messages saying the stock market it just keeps going up, and how what you know I have this windfall or I have this money, I have ten thousand dollars, I have a hundred thousand dollars like I just I don't want to drop it. I want to keep it in the bank. I want to keep it on the sidelines because I want to be there for the crash. I want, you know, I, I I think it's overvalued. And so I'm just afraid to get in right now. And you know what? If I were going to predict out the future, it's, it's not going to be roses. In fact, there's going to be catastrophes. There's going to be wars, natural disasters. There's going to be all of these horrible things that I wish we could avoid, but it's, it's going to happen. Doesn't matter what I want. Bad things are going to happen. Personally, despite all of that, I am going to treat this like 2007. For the people that had their money in the market and they put it in on the absolute worst possible day, but they had steel in their spine and they didn't sell at the bottom, their absolute worst case scenario today is that you doubled your money. So on the one side, you could say, well, the market is at or near an all time high. Surely it's going to crash, but you don't know that. This could be the lowest the market ever goes. And instead of trying to bet on the exact day of the crash, and keeping all of that money on the sidelines, recognize the inexorable upward trend over time. Put steel in your investing spine, which takes care of the worst-case scenario, which is that you sell at the bottom, and then focus on what you can control. There are so many different things that you can control. The market just simply isn't one of them. Focus on your savings rate. Focus on your investments and alternate asset classes like real estate, business, side hustles, etc. And going back to what we were talking about earlier, shut off the noise. This path that you're on doesn't depend on the 24-hour news cycle propping up the S&P 500, or Jim Cramer going all in on one hand, or Amazon picking up HQ2 in a specific city. You're not relying on that. You have a backup plan for your backup plan. That's powerful. All right, guys. Well, that's gonna bring this episode to a close. And I got lucky because I can feel my voice getting worse by the second. Thank you, FinCon. But uh, as you guys know, we finish every episode by doing a drawing for a copy of a book that we found useful. We normally feature two books, Dominic Cortuccio's book, Design Your Future in Jail, Collins' book, The Simple Path to Wealth. If you want to participate in that drawing, it's super simple. Just go to chooseifycom slash iTunes. Just follow the instructions there and leave us a short written review. And then just send us an email to feedback at chooseify.com letting us know what screen name you left it under. And then every Friday, we announce the winners on our Friday roundup. And we do one book for every five written reviews that we get. So Brad, how many winners do we
1: have today? All right, Jonathan, we have one winner today. And Scott said this is his new favorite podcast. Started listening a few months ago and I haven't been this excited since I woke up Christmas morning in 1983 and found Santa left me a Nintendo. Every episode is packed with loads of information and real world examples to help anyone at any stage of their life to follow and succeed.
0: You know, the Super Nintendo is still my favorite video game system of all time, even after all these years and all the different game systems that have come out. It's a Super Nintendo, man. So I get that.
1: Jonathan, isn't Nintendo re-releasing the Super Nintendo this year or like imminently? Don't tease me, Brad. I don't know about this. No, I'm almost positive. So last year they had the NES Classic Mini, which was like The craziest thing, they only produced like a couple hundred thousand of them and could have sold probably five or 10 million. I went up getting really, really lucky and getting it for like $60 retail price. And the thing is amazing. It has 30 games, including all the original Mario Brothers. It has Final Fantasy, Legend of Zelda. It has like all these classic games. And I've been playing Mario Brothers with my girls, which has just been a ton of fun. And I'm 99 plus percent positive that they are releasing the Super Nintendo classic, like I said, any day now. So definitely look it up.
0: Oh, man, I got my Christmas present locked down. That is going to happen. That would be amazing if they and if they just release a wireless controller for the Super Nintendo, then world, my world is perfect.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. They're definitely wireless controllers for the NES Classic, so I have to assume they'll have it for the Super NES. And yeah, you know, it's funny. I just Googled this and it looks like it's coming out in the next couple of days, actually. So, yeah, you want to check it out. <laughs> OK,
0: that's awesome. I will let you guys know. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the show today do us one favor. Take action on this one thing. It'll really help us out. Just take a second and press the subscribe button on the platform that you're listening to this show on. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Dogcatcher, Player FM. We will be on your streaming app of choice, but if you just take a second and press the subscribe button, it lets the platform know that you place value on this show, helps us rank more highly, and it's just a super easy way for you to help us out. And thank you so much. The fire is spreading, my friends. We'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose F.I. Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.